just as we find ourselves feeling there's no hope left for this world, we find ourselves standing with Mary in a cemetery in the Gospel of John, who's come to give one last shred of respect to someone who has been bullied by all of the violence and hatred and division that marks the powers of the world. And now Mary stood outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned around toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. It may not seem like it, but the tide has turned. Good morning. I love the cowbell, you know. <laughs> Just want more of it. More cowbells, baby. <laughs> what do you remember as your first moment of grief? My first moment of grief was when I broke my Lego plane. I remember spending so much time building one, and this wasn't one of those where you had to follow a pattern. I did it all on, on my own, right? I took the pieces, I designed it, and, and made this amazing plane. I thought it was so beautiful. And then it fell, and it broke. And for some reason, I couldn't put it back to the way it was before. I tried over and over and again, but it just wouldn't look like what I made as I did it before. It was like I was searching for something that I couldn't get back. Uh, one more, on a more serious note, a grief that, one grief that stands out to me is the grief over the divorce of my parents. It was and is a significant part of my story because it's what led me to come to Canada. It led me to skipping school, becoming a high school dropout, and then becoming a pastor. 
As I reflected more on my past, I recognized that my skipping school in high school was my way of dealing and processing the loss. My loss of my family, my childhood, my dad. When I looked around, all my friends seemed like they had a perfect family, or at least it seemed that way. And it just felt as though it was just me. I felt so alone. I felt lost, needing to find purpose, an answer to what had happened. I was searching for something that was lost, something I couldn't get back. Where is Jesus' body? They have taken him. He is gone, lost forever. Mary is grieving her teacher, her master, the one who healed her of seven demons, the one who has, she has followed for the last few years of her life. The one she watched die on the cross, the one she wanted to come and anoint his body. Not only was Jesus tortured and killed on the cross, now his body had gone missing. Grave robbing was was considered a capital offense, and yet somebody had taken his body. Why would they do this? Where is his body? So we see Mary here weeping. She's weeping not just because the body had gone missing, but because of the loss of someone who meant so much to her. The culmination of Jesus' arrest, trial, torture, crucifixion, death, and now to add to her grief, his body has gone missing. It leads to her weeping by his empty tomb. She cries in anguish and pain because Jesus is gone Within such a short span of few verses, John mentions four times that Mary was crying, as if to help his readers understand the depth of her pain and sorrow and loss. We weep when our friends die. We weep when we lose something we care about. We weep because sometimes that's just all we can do. It's in the midst of this weeping that we see Mary being asked by the two angels, Women, why are you crying? I still remember this one day where I really didn't feel like going to school. I don't remember if it was because I was fighting with my mom or I was just sad about our home situation. But just that day, while I was walking towards school, I said, I'm not going to school. So I called my friend. And back then, you know, we didn't have cell phones. I actually paged them. Actually, we had pagers back then, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I was one of those guys with pagers. Anyway, so I paged my friend. I said, hey, can I come see you? I'm just not in a good uh, place today. And so I remember going to see my friend Howard, who lived in Etobicoke. I was in Scarborough, taking the bus for over an hour just to go and see him. Because I needed to be around someone who understood and cared. How did John know that these two people in the tomb were angels? It's only in retrospect as he believed them to be angels, not because he was even there. He wasn't even there. It was because of what he heard from Mary. In many ways, my friend was my angel. Not only was he there for me in my times of grief, he pointed me to Jesus. He will, to this day, take credit for the fact that I'm a pastor. I was one of those you know, folks who... Went to church once in a while, but I didn't go to youth group. I wasn't really involved, and I was on his, like, target list or whatever, you know, to, uh, to invite to youth group, right? That's all he had to do was invite me to youth group. But to be part of a community, more importantly, that supported me in my times of grief and gave me hope. They were my forerunners to Jesus. 
So in this story, we see Mary being asked the same question, why are you crying? First by the angel as the forerunners of Jesus, and then by Jesus himself, except that Mary didn't know it was Jesus. Jesus asks the same question to her, who are you looking for? This question is the third time in the book of John that Jesus uh, asks this question. The first time is to the disciples, although it's a little different where he says, what are you looking for versus who are you looking for? And then the second time it was with the Roman soldiers and the Jewish leaders who came to arrest Jesus. And here for the third time, it is to Mary, who are you looking for? Who are you looking for? In many ways, my time in high school was a journey to find the answer to that question, who are you looking for, or what are you looking for? I was grieving the loss of my parents' marriage, the loss of a normal home life, the loss of a father. I was on a journey to find meaning, purpose, and direction for my life. And isn't this the question we all live to answer ourselves? What or who are we looking for? Is it for a life of success, happiness, Life without pain? What, or more importantly, who are we looking for? In this case, Mary was looking for Jesus. Was she looking for more than the body of Jesus? Was that why she was weeping? Because his body was missing? Or was it because of not only the loss of her dear friend and rabbi, but also the loss of her hopes and dreams? that has been dashed by the death of her teacher, the Savior who was supposed to save her and the world. Who are you looking for, says Jesus to Mary. Mary thought Jesus was a gardener and asked him, do you know who took his body? It is interesting that Mary thought that Jesus was a gardener. None of the other gospels mentions that this took place at a garden, but John makes a connection to a garden. It is in this garden that Jesus calls her by name, and like scales falling off her eyes, she is able to recognize him. It wasn't that Jesus was gone after all. She just couldn't recognize him. Did you notice that Mary was the first person who witnessed Jesus' resurrection? Why not the beloved disciple? Why not Peter? It was Mary Magdalene. See, women were part of Jesus' disciples from the very beginning. Sure, we have the 12 disciples, but they were not the only ones who were with Jesus. You have to remember that the Gospels were written from a perspective of four disciples, male disciples, and not the women. It's because women were not uh, considered a reliable source or a witness back then, but yet even the early church still kept that story there, didn't try to change it. Because it would seem odd and unreliable for a woman to have been a witness, a reliable witness. But yet, Mary was the first witness to the resurrection of Jesus. Mary Magdalene was a disciple of Jesus and was there with them throughout his journey to the cross. In Luke chapter 8, verse 1 to 3, it says this, After Jesus... After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others. 
These women were helping to support them out of their own means. What do you notice here? Jesus was traveling from one village to another, and we see that the 12 were traveling with them, but who else? It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Susanna, and other unnamed women. So it wasn't that Jesus only traveled, ate with, and lived with the 12 disciples. There were women followers there as well, and not only that, they are the ones who were supporting and bankrolling the whole endeavor. I have to admit that I missed this important part. I know the Gospels are written by men and through their perspective, but we can see here and in other places that women were a vital part of Jesus' ministry from the beginning. And if you look at the names that were mentioned, Mary was with Jesus. Also, uh, Mary Magdalene was with Jesus from the beginning and was also with Jesus at the cross. And Joanna was named here in Luke and is also named as one of the women who was with Mary in, at the tomb in uh, some of the other Gospels. So why does this and the garden matter? Throughout John's Gospel, there's a theme of this new life found in Jesus. John starts off his book with the reference to Jesus being there from the beginning of time, and that it was through him and for him and by him that, uh, that all of creation was made. We see Jesus later on speaking with Nicodemus about being born again. And here we see Jesus literally being born again to cement that he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Listen to what John says about this in John chapter 1. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. John explains that the world did not recognize Jesus, even though it was through him that the world was made. The one in whom the world was made, the one through whom the Garden of Eden was created, here in the garden where Mary sees the gardener, she herself does not recognize Jesus. Jesus, who is the source of life, enters into the world, and the world who has received this life through Jesus does not recognize him. The struggle was real. I felt as though my life was filled with suffering. I was living on my own by the time I was 17, feeling as though I had been abandoned by both of my parents, trying to make ends meet and living as though I was in this downward spiral of my own doing, for sure. It was a, I don't blame it on anyone else. Getting kicked out of high school. And in the midst of this, there were people in my life, angels disguised as friends who would point me to Jesus. I still remember my wife who wasn't uh, uh, my wife or she was just my friend. Uh, and she gave me this one Bible verse, possibly my angel. <laughs> uh, in more ways than one. Anyways, she, she gave me this passage from Romans chapter 8, verse 28. It says, we know that in all things... God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. She was trying to encourage me when I was so down, and I, was just, I remember being just, what's the word, just hard, right? 
And you just need that word of encouragement from someone. And she gave me this passage, and I remember reading it and thinking, even though my life didn't feel like I had a future, if, even though I felt like I dug a hole too big for myself to get out of, that she was trying to tell me that God was there even when I couldn't see him. The people of Israel were going through something similar. They were in exile and living in the consequences of their sins and falling after their own gods. And in the midst of this, God promises a Savior, a time in which where not only Israel, but where all nations will be saved. Isaiah 43.1, And now thus says Yahweh who created you, Jacob, who formed you, Israel, Do not be afraid, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. In the garden where Mary thought Jesus was a gardener, we see that Jesus calls her by name. And there Mary recognizes Jesus for who he is. Henry Nouwen believes that this recognition of this risen Jesus is what faith is all about. For Christians, this spiritual recognition is found in the risen Christ who meets us sometimes as a stranger or a gardener on our road of life. Our heart is warmed when we are able to discern a presence greater than ourselves at work in our life. The exalted one, the risen Christ, is the one who walks beside us, opens the scriptures to us to reveal the hidden story of our lives. It wasn't until I came to recognize where Jesus was in my life that I realized that my story was not about an abandoned child who was a high school dropout. It was only when I came to understand that Jesus was walking with me, revealing his presence in my life, that I came to understand that my life was not my own, and that Jesus loves me and cares for me like no other. It wasn't until I saw Jesus as the one who suffers with me in the hole I dug myself into did I come to understand that Jesus was there to be with me and to help me out of the pit. Because Jesus is the one who has raised, who is raised from the dead, he is able to raise me up and you from the mire and give us life. This recognition happens in moments of silent prayer through an encouraging word from a friend. It happened in a new family of God when I felt like I had no family. I came to realize that in my search for answers, in my grief and my wandering, that Jesus was already, already there with me. He called me by name, called me his beloved, and helped me to realize that I was much more than just a high school dropout. Though I was searching for God, God was already there with me. So we see here in the story of Mary, Jesus calls out to Mary. He calls her by name. Could it be that the time that Isaiah was speaking about, the time in which all nations will come and worship God, the time in which God will bring all things back to himself and will renew all things, where he says he will call Israel by name, could that time be right here with Mary? That as the first witness to the resurrection, Jesus is fulfilling the promises of Isaiah 43 by calling Mary by her name. And I would say a resounding yes. The resurrected Jesus calls Mary by her name and says, you are mine. 
the resurrected Jesus is fulfilling the renewing of all things through his death and resurrection and have redeemed all people by calling Mary by her name and fulfills that promise of Isaiah. Jesus is upending the inequalities of who's first and who's last by making Mary the first witness of his resurrection. Jesus, the one who created all things and knows all things, calls us by our names. We recognize God because God is the one who knows us, who knows who we truly are. Jesus calls forth our names, calls us to himself. He calls us so that we can recognize him, but also so that we can know who we are, who we truly are, God's beloved children. I had dug a hole too deep to get myself out of. I was a high school dropout, living off of welfare checks and money that we got from our parents, but that wasn't enough. It really did feel bleak. Yet in the midst of this, I had such a strong community of friends and, and a church family who supported me uh, emotionally, spiritually, but also financially. They became the family that I felt as though I didn't have. They helped me to see God's presence when I couldn't feel it. They helped me become who I am to this day. In a similar way, Mary, having recognized Jesus as the resurrected Savior of the world, is given a call. Jesus says to her, Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. The ancient church saw Mary as the apostle to the apostles. And here she is, she is the conveyor of the good news that Jesus is risen and will be ascending to his father, her father, and to their God. He refers to his disciples as brothers, and therefore the nature of their relationship has shifted from a teacher or a rabbi to that of being the family of God. It is in the recognition of Jesus by Mary that leads to her relationship with Jesus as part of this new community. Whereas in John 1, the world did not recognize him, here Jesus helps Mary recognize him by calling her by her name. To invite her and her brothers into this new community of God. Jesus' resurrection culminates in the new life found in Jesus that only, not only writes relationships, but also creates a community that is beyond that of our own bloodlines. Jesus is making all things new, and it starts with Mary, Peter, John, and his disciples, and continues to this day with us. This is what and who we celebrate together this morning. We celebrate and recognize the risen Christ who has come to be with us, who sits with us in our pain, in our grief, and our death, and gives us new life. Though we may slumber and sleep, it is the voice of Christ that calls us and says we are his because he is the risen Lord. So may we, as his beloved sons and daughters, listen out for his voice. May we know that this God of the universe loves you so much that he has come in the person of Jesus so that he can call you by name and to call you his beloved. Let's pray.
Is there anything in your life that you are grieving? What is it in your life that you're seeking for answers? What do you need to hear from Jesus right now? Let's take a moment to pray and to listen. Hear the words of Jesus. Listen to what he says to you. The one who created you, the one who formed you, do not be afraid, for I have come to die for you. I have come to redeem you. I am calling you by your name. Brenda, Peter, Mary, Gary, even if you feel like your name never gets called. He says you are mine and you are my beloved. Thanks be to God. Amen.